Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> everybody and welcome back to from complex to queens amazing hip news minor league podcast i'm steve cypher and i'm joined by lucas Vlahos, ken levin and thomas henderson how's everyone doing this week all right pretty well all right so 34 years ago today um there's an accident in chernobyl and it remains the costliest and most devastating nuclear accident in world history, and I think that there's enough negativity and stuff out there nowadays um, that we don't need to look at this in a kind of realistic light. And movies and comic books teach us that when you get ready to buy nuclear particles, you get superpowers. You don't mm. get cancer. Mm. So we have three players that were... Um, irradiated by nuclear particles, and they have superpowers. So who are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First, we have a first baseman who has the strength of the Hulk. Then we have a shortstop who has the agility of Spider-Man. And finally, our manager has the intelligence of the leader. Hmm. Probably going to promote the first baseman because he'll hit dinner. <laughs> you heard it here f- first, folks. Dingers are good. Yeah, I mean, really, this is a question of do I want elite defense, good managing, or uh, I don't even know that there's a, a real description for that level of power. Um, dingers. Dingers. All the dingers. Like... Like, you know that, I don't know, and I don't know if people are familiar with that SP Nation bit where they're like, this is how good Barry Bonds would be if he didn't have a bat. It would be that, but like times three. Um, <laughs> and I don't think there's any argument that, uh, uh, better offense is more impactful than, especially than managing and definitely than defense. So. Hulk first baseman, then Spider-Man, then leader. Manager. I feel like Hulk would probably get thrown out of a lot of games. Probably. <laughs> then again, Let's... who who would who would what what umpire would have the the cojones to throw the Hulk out of a game? 
Like, you're going to call the strike, and the Hulk's going to look at you and say, that wasn't a strike, or, or some something to that effect. You're like, uh, yes, sir, that was not a strike. Ball. Just <laughs> kidding. Aye, aye. What's the Hulk's barrel control like? Uh, probably <laughs> good very question. good. I mean, I, I assume that he would be an all-or-nothing slugger with a giant bat, like like a tree trunk. But is that regulation? I don't think there's actually anything that says how big you can be with the bat. Or is it the opposite way? that they're... I don't know if there's actually defined minimums or maximums. I'm assuming that he can't just go up there with, like... <laughs> a two-by-four? <laughs> yeah, something like... I don't know, a telephone pole or something. I mean, I mean, the I'm dude... assuming that wouldn't be allowed. <laughs> The dude, the guy's also like strong enough to go, uh, well not in the movies, but like he's one of the few beings Thanos actively avoids fighting with, you know? So I'm pretty sure he has the reflexes and visual acuity to adjust to, to just about anything. Speaking of reflexes, I mean, if Ray Odonez was fun at shortstop, imagine Spider-Man. What's Spider-Man's arm like? Uh, well, he's just—he's just the strongest good, Captain right? America. So he is very strong, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. can also just like web himself over to first base and get unassisted outs constantly. Mm. <laughs> very true. <laughs> Lots of unassisted triple plays. Yeah, I think I'm gonna extend Spider-Man. Yeah. Trade the yeah. manager because managers don't matter. Yeah. You could—you could probably get a team to really give you something good for like the smartest manager ever. Well, here, here's a thought, right? Like, you know, actually, I might change my answer. Uh, because going back to that espionation bit, the, the maximum number of home runs you can hit is something like 70 or 80. Because at some point, there, there is like a ceiling on how good your offense can be, right? Uh, Cause at some point, it just makes more sense for pitchers to walk you every time, just from a, a, a strategic standpoint. That's good. So, point. so, Spider-Man as a hitter might be just as effective as the Hulk as a hitter. Like, he's not as physically gifted, but he's probably physically gifted enough that you're going to get to that upper limit in terms of offense. And then you have, like, uh, Ray Ordonez elite-level shortstop defender versus that play, that same amount of offense at first base. I probably undersold Spider-Man's offense because I'm like, he can't hit. He's Spider-Man. But, like, his reflexes of uh, 102-mile-per-hour fastball would look like 40 to him. I mean, Spidey sense, right? Like, yeah. he knows what's coming. That's very true, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to – I'm gonna. Is, is promote or extend the top one here? You think Extend. I, extend? Yeah, so I'm extending Spider-Man, promoting the Hulk, and then I think we're all on the same page of trading the manager. Yeah, get him out of here. I don't know. I'm I'm tempted by actually having an intelligent manager for a change. Terry has Terry has heard <laughs> you. Yeah. But yeah, I think that obviously the the two players that impact the game most are the ones that we'd have to keep. So goodbye, leader. All right. Um. So back in October last year, Baseball America reported that the MLB was going to reduce. Number of teams in the minors from 160-ish to 120-ish, basically doing away with all the the non-complex short-season teams. So for the Mets, that would be the Kingsport Mets in the Appalachian League and the Cyclones in the New York Penn League. Um, the other leagues that were going to be impacted are the Pioneer League, which is basically like a Western version of the Appalachian League, and the Northern League, which is, again, like a Western version of the New York Penn. It gets a little more complicated than just whole leagues disappearing because then a bunch of teams have either said on the record or off the record that they'd shuffle their affiliations around. So there's also a handful of low A, high A, double A teams that are on the chopping block. In the Mets' case, they said that they would be swapping Brooklyn and Binghamton. So the Cyclones would become the double A affiliate and the Rumble Ponies would be classified as obsolete and fade away. Obviously, this didn't set well with local communities um politicians got involved, their petitions, all kinds of things. But MLB is basically going to be getting their way one way or the other now because a lot of these teams weren't on the best 
foot financially to begin with. And coronavirus is going to basically devastate them. And that's just one more negative impact that this shitty thing is having on us. Assuming that we actually get, like, games this year, maybe not, I don't know. But definitely in 2021, next year, there's going to have to be some hesitance, I guess, for people. And that's going to be the first thing that's going to impact these teams. Are people going to be going out to the games? Uh, you know, are you, are you guys, let's say that July, July, well, July 1st, let's say that somehow miraculously, even though there still is not a, a cure, vaccine or nothing, Things get good enough that we resume some semblance of normalcy and they start having games again. Would you guys be interested in going? I'd like to think I would, and then when I when I'm faced with it, I'd probably be like, "Nah, I'll watch it on TV." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely watch a lot on uh, milb.tv, and uh, I don't know, maybe. See where things are at. Yeah, it depends. I don't think I'd go. Yeah, it's yeah. All right, so I mean, clearly, just from a sample of us, there's a lot of hesitancy, and none of us have, you know, families or, or children or anything that we need to like be especially responsible for. So imagine, you know, your dad and. You have a couple of kids. Like, are you going to take your kids to the game? Definitely not, I don't think. Yeah, I can't imagine that. Yeah, so these teams, you know, depend on concessions and, and people being in the seats and marketing and all that kind of stuff. And you're not going to have a lot of people going to begin with. And then on top of that, you're going to have social distancing policies that are going to have to be put in place. And that means that, what, a theoretical crowd, a sold-out crowd, would be, like, half capacity or a quarter capacity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even if you do have sellouts somehow, you're still going to be operating in a reduced fashion. If How they, they do this have... responsibly, which, I mean, right. I think there's a decent chance they don't do it responsibly because, <laughs> you know, America, but... And then now picture the situation where you're going to have where, let's say, everything is resuming normally, but we're putting in responsible policies. You know, on a on a nice when it's nice out on a weekend, whatever, if you go to the Cyclones game, the line can get pretty big as things stand right now before all this. You have like four security guards scanning everyone's bag, uh, looking at everyone's bags, and then, like, another six people scanning everyone's tickets. And sometimes the line can get to, like, where the, the brewery restaurant place is, like, halfway down the block. Mm. If if you have a line like that and everyone has to maintain a six-foot distance between each other, you know, if you have, you have 50 people online, which I think is a, is a reasonable big crowd, mm. six feet in between everybody... You know, your your line is going to be going hundreds of feet. No, oh, yeah. And and it's going to look like the voting in Wisconsin, where people were like three wrapped around three blocks. It, it's like not viable. No, but worse. And obviously, you know, there's there's other stuff over there than just um, MCU Park. The line at the line at Nathan's can get really long too. So you're going to have literally two long lines, a block and a half or so between each other. Um, you know. It's not good. Like you said, like the neighborhood in general, like on a summer day in in Coney Island, it's packed. Like from no matter where you are, even if you're just walking to the stadium, you're not going to be six feet away from people getting off the train and all that. Mm -hmm. And then think of now we're in that line, however long it takes to get in we got in now we need to leave (laughs) you know the cyclones they averaged 4,848 people last year 
So if you have, if you quarter that, you know, because of seating restrictions, that's still about a thousand people. Uh, getting a, a line, you know, getting thousand people out of a stadium that has, you know, two entry or exit points, that's going to be a big clusterfuck, basically. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that you have people leave row by row, section by section, just to keep it orderly. But do you think that people are going to actually stay orderly? You're, you're real funny there, Steve. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I got things to do. Why should I have to wait just because I'm in section two? I mean, I've, I've got a ha- I need a haircut. I got to go right. get that haircut, you know. So. <laughs> those those goddamn bastards in section two can't leave before me. Screw them. So, you know, not not good situations getting into games, getting out of games, and then even during the games when you have basic stadium services like concessions. Like, A, you can't have a million people waiting online to get food. You can't have things that we take for granted, like the little pumps. You know, you, you can't have people pumping mustard on their hot dogs because just too many hands are touching things. So what are we going to do? We're going to have stadiums with, like, waiters and just running people's food back and forth. That seems expensive and and kind of... Uh, an easy recipe for things to get screwed up and people to get angry and you've also added more people more workers and workers who are specifically being exposed to everyone and carrying uh carrying any pathogens around anyway right so we're back to square one now we we forget all these safety measures because we have these innocent schmucks that are are you know negating all of that through no fault of their own sending with bathrooms you know Lines for the bathrooms for for, for for the women's room especially can get really long, and if you space everybody out properly, I don't know where all these lines are going to be going because there's not that much room. Yeah, it, it, it's literally impossible. Yeah, and and I don't know. And then teams that are on the cutting room floor to begin with, they're kind of operating on shoestring budgets. So I don't really think that they can handle a lot of the stuff that's going to be needed to make sure that, like, everyone is good. Um, I was looking at Kingsport's website, and their front office is eight people, and that includes their mascot. So really, it's <laughs> it's seven people. So you have seven people. You add the one lady that was in the ticket booth the whole time when I was down there last year. There was you know, either one or two people. Two different people, I should say, that were checking tickets. There was either one or two people selling, um, like, the team gear. So there's maybe 15 people total affiliated, actually affiliated with the team because they contract stuff, like, for the food and services or whatever. But you think a team that has, you know, a 15-person operation is going to have the money to be able to hire out more security guards, more more food delivery, and things like that? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. And Major League Baseball is just basically sitting in a in a dark room somewhere looking at all this, you know, doing Mr. Burns' hands, and they're just like, excellent, because this is basically doing all their work for them. Without them getting any of the pushback, because they're just going to do these... Your organization wasn't open for a year, and you couldn't afford to stay open anymore. And exactly. A they lot can of just are going to be like, "Yep, that makes sense." Even and then they're going to they're going to throw in the fact that, well, we couldn't run a full draft, so we have fewer players, yeah. so we need yeah. fewer teams. How convenient. And then the draft is going to be shorter forever because the teams will never come back, so they're going to be like, "The draft is too long, and there's too many players." So the real the real frustrating thing about this whole thing is that there are like. They're like, they, they, they lead their arguments with like these legitimate criticisms of the minor league system. It's like, okay, teams are too far apart. Teams aren't, aren't close to their major league organizations. The draft might be a little too long. It's like, okay, I can get on board with all of these things. Therefore, we're going to cut half the teams. Yeah. What? <laughs> you, you lost me. How did you get from A to B? Follow the dollars. Yeah, exactly. That, that That's the correct answer. Mm-hmm. Follow the money and see where it goes. 
Like they mm-hmm. like like Bur- Brooklyn being the double A affiliate instead of the what is it now technically rookie well whatever short A short A like that that makes sense great you don't need yeah. to get rid of Binghamton to do that you just need to swap the affiliations and not for nothing but like the New York Penn League has a pretty long history I mean they can continue playing baseball you know that their existence is not dependent on Major League Baseball. But obviously their partnerships with Major League Baseball is what gives them the teams and, you know, certain, certain, they get certain things from the partnerships. And they can continue being an independent league should they choose, if they are financially able to, whatever, if that's viable. But these are, you know, I'm assuming that it's, it's probably not going to be really viable because there's not a lot of money in independent baseball. And that's just a lot of history that is going to be going down the drain because the, the, the team owners just don't feel like paying extra money anymore. And it's unfortunate. There's no, there's no good justification for this aside from the billionaires want more money. No. I think the, the weirdest thing about teams wanting to cut the minors is like, the hit rate on minor league players is so low to get a major league player. Why would you want less of them? Mm-hmm. Like, like you're you're artificially hurting your own major league team. Probably like how many people who like the next Jeff McNeil might not might not get a shot because they might have gotten cut by now if there was less minor league teams. You know, yep. like like sure it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens in, uh, enough where. The 30th round pick who only got a shot because there's a million minor league teams and this is the one sport that does that. Like now you're cutting them and you're you're hurting your own future possibly. I'm from from last we heard, you know, continuing this logic, then they would just look into the the quote unquote dream league where all these unsigned guys will then go to because they didn't get drafted and play, uh, will. You know, I'm sure, available. I'm sure the level of competition there yeah. will be even enough yeah. and stable enough to properly evaluate players. I don't see any potential issues with that. No, I mean, that, that was honestly was one of the stupidest things that they pitched when this whole story broke a couple of months ago. And there has been no clarification of what the hell the Dream League concept was really going to be entailing. Yeah. Also, it's a terrible name. Yeah. Yes, well, that too. It's it just, they, they go, they're so, they're so like blatantly Dr. Evil about it. It's incredible. It's like, it's not even like they start with something modest, like, well, maybe we only need one rookie league team. Instead, they're like, no, we don't need any of that. None of this short season shit. None of these rookie league teams. Have they mentioned any, I don't know if they've talked about the DSL teams at all as part of these proposals. I don't know that they have. Um I assume that both of the complexes are, are probably – the DSLs barely organize baseball. Yeah, that, that's true. That's I'm, I'm assuming each team will, will keep their, their Dominican complexes, you know, running, if not, you know, in a formal league, in like basically like a, a second backfields league. It's just so late, you know? though. Like there's no – No, yeah. What it is is, you know – Diluting the talent pool, or not diluting the talent pool, the opposite. Basically just kind of screwing the on-field product at the expense of short-term gains. Yep. That's what it is. <laughs> and like the losers you... are all of us, because baseball is not going to be as good. <laughs> no. And like you said before, Lucas, like they just did it very Dr. Evil-like. Like, that was one of the, the issues that they do raise. There is to varying degrees, some merit. Yeah. But the way that they just went about it, okay, we are just going to be cutting all these teams unilaterally, there's no conversation, the end, goodbye. Like, that's going to rub everybody the wrong way, and that's going to poison your message. Look, I'd certainly not be in favor of it, to be clear, but I think if they started from a place of, okay, we're going to remove one rookie league, that's at least, like, in the realm of reasonableness... So that the the reaction from people wouldn't be so 
uh, uh, visceral, right? Like that, that's like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, feasible, like feasible enough to imagine. But they just go so far past that as the starting point. It's, it's, it's frightening. Right. It's like not, not every single year, but you know, it's, you, you take a, a five year span or so and there are multiple teams in multiple leagues that disappear because teams move their affiliations mm-hmm. all over the place. And there's never really any kind of, you know, in, in those local communities, obviously there's sadness and, and maybe people don't want it to happen. But it's not like a major thing on a national scale like this is because, you know, 40 teams all at the same time. That's a bit much. It's really not great. No, that's that's the MLB. That's that's contemporary MLB for you. Yeah. Money is the bottom line. And... It just, I get, you know, the the feeling of powerlessness, you know, is, is sucky too because nothing we can do about it. If they feel like doing something, and they were very adamant from the start that it didn't matter what anybody else said, they were doing this. Too bad. You know, it it just, yeah, sucks. Oh, I, I don't. I... Here, here's the other shitty thing, right? Like, with a lot, of, like, I don't want to get political or anything, but like, there's, there's messages we can send to people about, like, you don't like X, so you can go protest or you can go vote, you can do whatever. There's like literally nothing you can do here. It feels like. No, it's just, it's. I mean, technically, Major League Baseball is like a private corporation or whatever technically is classified as so the board of trustees the owners voted and that's that's it we get to eat the shit and be happy yeah that was depressing yeah (laughs) yeah i'm thoroughly bummed out guys well I'm going to be uh, speaking with um, Rob and Dan, who run websites uh, dedicated to baseball in Taiwan and in South Korea. And their seasons are going to be, well, in Taiwan's case, the season has already started. And in South Korea's case, um, they have about a week or so to go before the season actually starts. So, I mean, that's... Good news. Um, that means baseball is on the horizon in other places, and maybe it will be on the horizon here too. So, you know, good news. Do you see? Do you guys see that crazy pickoff play one of the Taiwanese play, teams ran? I did not. Uh, John Boy did a breakdown of it. Basically, the, the somebody got to, someone stole second base, and the batter was trying to bunt, bunt it to third. So they ran the wheel play. But they had the shortstop like run to second base behind the runner, then start running to third in front of him. So the runner just kind of naturally followed the shortstop, and the second baseman just snuck behind to the bag, and they nailed him. It, it was like picture perfect. Never seen a pickoff play like that. It was awesome. That sounds like something I'd accidentally do on MLB The Show because I'm just really bad at it. <laughs> I'd just press the wrong button, and my runner would just lead off and start running for no reason, and then subsequently get picked off. Do you ever like you're like mashing the wrong button in those games, and then the the runner, the, if you have two men on base, the wrong runner starts going to that base. It's just <laughs> all, a, all the time. This is a goddamn shit show. It's like no, I don't want you. <laughs> Not great. I've had I've had guys wind up on the same base. I've had triples that where the runner didn't go past first because I'm telling him to do the wrong thing. <laughs> it just not good. I just kind of have given up because I'm just not good at it. Just hit dingers. I try and you don't, don't have to run the base if you hit dingers. I have I have off speed bat I have off speed pitches bat speed so ah okay so you're JD Davis yeah <laughs> not good uh, I I do actually have one final thought here do you think 
people watching more of these Taiwanese and especially the Korean games might increase the acceptance of bat flips. Can we get more fun in the game? Oh, that'd be well, awesome. That is something that is something that I spoke with Rob and Dan about. So yes, yeah, pimp that listen, shit. Listen to these. Uh, listen to these upcoming interviews right here. What a solid plug. <laughs> it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, I'm now joined by Rob, who runs CPBL Stats, which is about the CPBL, the Chinese Professional Baseball League in Taiwan. So, Rob, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a fun day today. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Steve. No problem. So, some of our listeners might know, some of our listeners might not know, but the people and the government in Taiwan, they've done an incredible job of being proactive and reactive to coronavirus. And as a result, there's actual live, real baseball right now going on in Taiwan. So, for anyone who is looking to get their baseball fix, there's a couple of ways that you can tune in and you can head to Rob's site, cpblstats.com, to find out how you can watch. So, Rob, the CPBL, it's composed of five teams. Uh, could you just share a little bit about who they are and maybe a little bit about each? Of course. So, the CPBL was established in, what, 1990, and, you know, over the year, it expanded, and then it, it had its problem, and then it went back to 14, back. And then in 2019, we now have a new expansion team, so it's going back to five again. So just to give a little summary of it, we have the defending champion, the Rakuten Monkeys. They're this uh, pure hitting team with no pitching depth at all. So, you know, we were talking about a team that can put 10 rounds on the scoreboard and in the next inning, they'll give it all away. And the next team we have is the China Trust, no, sorry, CTBC Brothers and the Fubang Guardians. So those two teams, they more feel balanced team, you know. Uh, you know, they're on paper, they, you know, they, they got good pitching, they also got good hitting. Uh, what's next? The next one is the Uni Lion. Their, their full name is actually Uni President 7-Eleven Lions. But for, for the sake of it, they just call it the Uni Lions. Um, they are a bit of an underdog in this league right now. Given, you know, I mean, they got plenty of raw talent, but their problem, they, they, they've been crippled by the, by, by the poor decision making from the front office. And finally, we have the newest expansion team, the Wei Chen Dragon. So, um, they were, the Dragon were the founding member of the CPBO back in 1990, but they, but they, they folded back in, uh, around, around 2000s. So after another, after 20 years later, they decided to rejoin the league. So, so it's a bit of a revival, a bit of a revival story for the Dragons. So what are some of the biggest ways that the league differs from Major League Baseball in terms uh, of either just play or, you know, rules, things like that? Okay. Well, the, the most obvious thing will be all games are declared tie after 12 innings. So there's no, you know, there's no marathon, 16 inning games, 17 inning game. That's all of that. Everything is the tie after 12. And another good one would be it's a very high scoring game in the, in, in the CPBL. Uh, well, it's probably due to, you know, like we, 
we got no pitching depth at all in, in this country. So pretty much all our best talent, all our best pitching talent, as soon they graduate from uh from high school, they'll go to uh they'll go to the MLB system or they go to the MPB system. So so that you know that's just the way it is right now. So and another one will be the fans cheering culture. So I'm sure for your listeners that's a that's familiar with Asian baseball, you, you know, like in, in Asia, whenever, or I guess I guess in Taiwan, whenever, whenever each player will have their own theme song. So, so we're talking about the stadium blasting blasting music, a full volume during the during the bath. Uh, you got crowd chanting, cheering, and even dancing along. So that's uh, for someone who's used to watching, you know, watching the sort of major league, and you, you, you're in for a bit of a cultural shock when you when you come to Taiwan. <laughs> it sounds fun. And uh, in terms of level of play, me personally, I'll put it between high A to high A to double A around that area. You know, on a good day, maybe two point five A. On a bad day, single A. That sort of stuff. But, but you know, it's roughly around that around that double A range. All right. So right now, who would you say is the best hitter in the league, in your opinion? I couldn't give you the best hitter in the league right now, but I can give you probably two or three. That's valid. So we <laughs> the first we have uh first we have Rocket and Monkeys Zhu Yuxian. So who's he's the guy that has been trending on Twitter lately. You know, the guy who hit five home run within two games. So Guy's a pure hitter, and and oh, that's all you can say about it. Like like that guy, all he knows is all he knows about baseball is just hitting, hitting, hitting. Uh, another guy that's worth watching out for is Uni Lions Su Zijie. Now he's a very balanced player. Um, not so well defensively, but he can hit, he can run the bases well. And me personally, I projecting him. Going to set the all-time CVB home run record by the time when his career is finished. So that, that that's my big prediction about him. Uh, I know you just mentioned that pitching is there's, there's not much pitching, but who would you say is the best pitcher in the league right now? The best pitcher in the league right now will probably be a foreign player in the in the foreign player category. So we'll have Fubang Guardians, Henry Sosa. Who used to pitch for the the Astro, I believe. I could mm. be wrong, but used to pitch for the Astro and also the CDBC brothers uh foreign pitcher Ariel Miranda, who used to pitch for the Mariners. So those two are definitely on top of the league. Uh those the the, the CBBL team lately they they sort of uh for example, the the Fulman Guardian I believe they signed Sosa for about five hundred K. During the, during the off season and the brothers signed Miranda for about 600k. So they, you know, they are starting to spend in big on foreign player and, and, and hopefully, you know, with, with all the money spent, they'll, 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 they'll get a decent result out of it. Uh, so, um, Queens has one of the largest Taiwanese American populations in New York, in the US. And the Mets have regularly had Taiwanese cultural nights, but they really haven't had any uh, successful Taiwanese players. In in the Bronx, the Yankees had Chen Wang, who was a really great pitcher for a while in the late 2000s. But the only Taiwanese player that the Mets have had was Chen Meng Hu, who was n- not as good as Chen Wang. Has it? <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, <laughs> that's putting it nicely. Has has it worked in the reverse? Have there any been have there been any players that have played on the Mets in the past that have then gone to Taiwan and have had any kind of success there? Actually, you might find this really interesting too. While doing this research, yeah, there's quite a lot of interesting uh, New York Mets connection to to the CBBL. Uh, we'll start with the very first one, um, Melvin Mora. Mm. So yeah, him he actually started his career in the CPB back in uh nineteen ninety-eight. And then he you know joined the Mets and, and got called out to the Met to the big league. So so I think he spent in the what like for two seasons in the Mets? 
and then people traded to 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 Baltimore, I believe. Yeah, he wasn't so, yeah, wasn't on the team for too long, but wasn't yeah. for the team for too long. Another good one would be uh, the Mets' former manager, Mickey Callaway. So he spent a bit of time in Taiwan as well. Um, I believe he, I believe yeah, he spent a bit of time in Taiwan. I believe in you know, 2009. 2008, 2009, around that time, he was best known for, uh, for throwing that uh, knockable. So, so for a while, he was the only guy that can, you know, the, the lonely knockable, knockable pitcher in Taiwan. So he, he huh. got, yeah, it's quite interesting. <laughs> and another guy is the former, I don't know the TV station name. I think he was the New York Mets analyst, uh, Nelson Figueroa. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but I think he was fired a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, it was a little yeah. uh, controversy. <laughs> yeah, so um, that guy, Nelson Figueroa, he's quite a big deal. I mean, he's the guy that single-handedly won the championship for the Uni Lion back in the day. So we're talking about he uh, during the Taiwan series, he's the like, he's the guy that pitched Game 1, Game 4, and Game 7, and, and won them all. So, so guy, 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 guy's a pure pitcher. I mean, it, it, all the time. If you mentioned about uh, uh, a really decent foreign player in Taiwan, uh, Nelson Figueroa, his name will always always come up. Um, last guy will be he spent a bit of time in in the Mets, but but in terms of Taiwan history, baseball history, he'll 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 play a part. Uh, that will be Pat Pat Mish. So he's. Play for the Mets between 2009 and about three seasons, I think. And then, but but what makes it so special is he pitched the only uh, he pitched the only no hitter in in the Game Seven of the Taiwan Series. So it, it doesn't get any more uh, any more dramatic than that, you know. Like the, we're talking about wow. the last game of the playoff, and then he he just went onto the mound and pitched a pitch a no hitter. So he did that back in 2015. Not bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> so for our listeners out there that might be interested in following along the season, what team would you recommend based on the fact that we are all Mets fans? Ooh. Now, the thing is, I don't really watch that many, not much MLB game, but what I can do is I can, off, I can sort of give the the MLB equivalent of the CPBL team. So, for example, uh, the Rakuten Monkey, they are a bit like the Oakland Ace. You know, they, they, they don't have a lot of money. Or, uh, I guess their former, their former name, Lamigo Monkey, they don't have a lot of money. So instead of competing with other people, what they can, what they did was they decided to invest heavily into the scouting department. So, so you got that bit of that Oakland Ace connection, money, money both thing going on there. Um, the brothers are a bit of like the New York Yankees. So it's been a long-standing joke in Taiwan that uh, it, there's there's only two types of fans in the CPBL. You're either a brothers fan or you're an anti-brothers fan. So <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that's so there you go. That's your Yankees connection. Uh, the Fubang Guardians. There are if we had to put it in a, they're a bit like the Dodgers. Uh, looks really good on paper, but they never really win anything. So, when, uh, they, they can never bring home the championship. And the last team we have the Uni Lions. Uh, I will say they are a bit like the Marlins. It's a, it's a team full of raw talent, but it's been crippled by, uh, crappy management and, and lack of passion from the front office. So that's all I can say about it. Uh, so hopefully that can give you, give your listeners some, some idea, you know, what to expect, you know, with, with those CPBL teams. Well, if the Lions have been crippled by bad management, then I think that Mets fans will be very familiar with that, unfortunately. <laughs> all right. So you say that. I didn't say this. <laughs> all right. Um, Rob, again, he runs CPBL Stats. It's one of the few English resources out there that we have for the CPBL. And I have a feeling that you'll be seeing and hearing a lot from him 
this MLB list spring. So, Rob, thank you for coming on and appreciate everything. Oh, thank you for having me, Steve. I'm now joined by Dan Kurtz, who runs MyKBO, uh, which is an invaluable site for anyone that's interested in uh, following baseball in Korea. Uh, Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, so for anyone who isn't aware, South Korea has done an amazing job staying ahead of coronavirus and being proactive. And the KBO season is actually going to be starting in about a week or so, May 5th. Dan, what safety measures is the league uh, taking that's going to keep players and the crew safe? You know, is there anything that MLB can use as a guide when and if the season starts here? Sure. Well, first off, it starts off even not above the league. It just has to do with the nation of South Korea. Just listen to the to what was being asked by their government, by the health officials to stay home, um, be smart, do what you need to do, because basically they figured they told them if you want all these luxuries of life, the regular society of baseball and stuff like that. You gotta first do what we're asking so that you can, you know, flatten the curve. And that's what the citizens have done so far. And that's why just about an hour ago it broke that there was today there was no deaths in South Korea for COVID-19. There was only 10 new cases. Again, the number's going down from like 900 a, a month and a half ago. So, I mean, to go from that to all of a sudden, hey, we're talking baseball here on May 5th for the league is amazing. And so that the league then stepped up and said, hey, you know what? When, when baseball resumes, we're going to have temperature checks for the players twice a day. We're going to have to have all personnel wear masks except when they're on the field, the players themselves. They're encouraging coaches. I think the coaches have to wear the mask. There's no high fives. And one of the biggest things that's going to be the hardest that uh, they've they've said so far is no spitting on the baseball field because <laughs> spitting and baseball kind of go hand in hand. And just to have that, you know, you don't think about it when you're doing it. And that's what one player even said. You're like, I didn't even think about it and I just caught myself getting ready to spit and I'm like, okay, can't do that. You know, it's a new, it's a new way of baseball, but I mean, it is a luxury now that everybody knows that it's gone. And so just, you know, the players even know that they just have to abide by that and, and go from there and hope for the best. All right. So before we get into things about Crudia, uh, you grew up in Philly. So are you a Phillies fan? I am a Phillies fan. Hello, Mets <laughs> fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, us Mets fans, we don't really like Shane Victorino. We don't really like Cole Hamels. Don't really like Jimmy Rollins. I was just um, going to say, Daryl, you probably are not a big fan of his predictions that he no, had. No, definitely not. <laughs> From your point of view, though, I guess they're all great guys, huh? Oh, they're all wonderful. On your team, though, exactly. David, Wright, David Wright just killed the Phillies in Philly oh. all the time. And he <laughs> is one player, incredible player, if I had to not be a Phillies fan. Incredible player. Um, you know, he's the top guy in recent years. Well, I guess not so recent now as we're in 2020, but looking back during that time when the Phillies Mets heyday was going on, it was just like another home run in Citizens Bank. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, Phillies then had a couple of down years there. And, uh, of course this year I was, I was getting excited, getting ready for the season. And, you know, it's, it's, it's been delayed now. So kind of same with the NFL. I'm like, oh, my Arizona Cardinals, who I'm a fan of, are having this great offseason. My luck as a fan, it's going to be delayed or canceled. So we'll see. But, you know, we're just hoping that baseball gets back, which means the rest of society here in the States is back to, quote, normal at that time. Definitely. Like you said earlier, baseball is a luxury that we all get to enjoy, but we need to follow the rules first. So hopefully everyone is able to do that. Exactly. All right, so back to the KBO now. So there's currently 10 teams in the league. Could you just quickly share who they are and anything interesting about each? Sure. Uh, I'll start off with the two newest teams, the NC Dinos and KT Wiz. They are an expansion team. Uh, NC has been more successful than KT. NC has been in the playoffs. KT has not made an appearance that they're finishing up in the cellar. Um, Kia. The Kia Tigers, they are the winningest franchise in the uh, organization. Uh, some people have compared them to the your Crosstown Rivals, <laughs> the Yankees of the KBO, um, just because of how many titles. They have the most titles in the league. That, that's why that comparison is made. Um, and then in the city of Seoul, there are three teams. 
Doosan, Bears, LG Twins, and the Kiwon Hero. And now Doosan for the last three, three out of the four years has, has won the title. So they are the, uh, the current hot team, the it team. That's, you know, if everybody says who's the team to be watching for, it's always the Doosan Bears in the last four to five years. Uh, the LG Twins, not so very, not so very, Good on the field, but are very popular within the city. And, um, then the Kiwom Heroes are kind of like the Oakland A's of the ABO is how I describe them. They're very financially, um, conscious <laughs> and they're not making a bunch of, they're not trying to go out and spend a lot of money, but they're trying to get value for their money. And that's why this year, maybe they signed like a Taylor Motter for 350,000, which is on the lower end of the foreign player scale, but they're trying to get the most bang for their buck. And they've been actually very good at doing that as they've been very successful. Uh, moving on to another team is uh, a team that some fans might be aware of because um, Ru Hyun Jin, it is his team, the Hanwha Eagles, and also uh, Chan Ho Park pitch for them as well. They they wear bright orange. They're, they're very hard to miss. They have an eagle on the front. They are a, um, again, since he's gone, and even when he was there, they weren't very successful on the field, but um, they have, again, a very passionate fan base. Uh, then the Samsung Lions, very well known simply because Samsung, one a very large multi-billion dollar corporation, is the owner. Um, they they sometimes get pay, compared to the Yankees just because of financial constraints. Like mm-hmm. they don't they don't have them supposedly. Um, and then Must you got be the nice. SK, yeah. <laughs> well, then you, then you have the SK Wyverns who in 2017 uh, had hired Trey Hillman as their manager and he led them to the championship at that time. And uh, before that. The SK was very successful in the late 2000s, so they were also a very successful team here in the last couple of decades. Um, I think that the last couple of years, the casual baseball fan here in the U.S., they're a little more aware of what baseball is like in Korea because of all the bat flip videos that have been shared over the years. Your site has been on the cutting edge <laughs> of that, of course. Um, but what other differences are there between baseball here and baseball in Korea? Well, that's the thing. When when people talk about what what's baseball like on on the field and you know versus off the field, there's there's quite a few differences. On the field, it's still baseball. Um, there is you know only ten teams in the league, so again, there's a lot more familiarity between the players, like a pitcher and batter, and a batter and pitcher. You're gonna know you're gonna see him sixteen times a year, possibly. Um, I, I get to know him real well. Um, because if there's only ten teams that you're playing against, they use the uh, designated hitter. Pitchers do not hit, unlike the NL, which I'm a big fan. I don't know. I grew up a National League fan, and I'm like, yeah, I understand you want to see the offense, but, man, I like watching pitchers hit. I think it makes of, the managers manage. That's just, my <laughs> That's just my personal opinion. But then when it comes to actually the on-field play, there are some different baseball unwritten rules. Like you talked about the bat flips. Yes, everybody knows about the KBO bat flips. And, no, the pitchers do not get mad. No, they do not hurt throw 99 mile per hour baseballs behind them or at their head. That only happens in the major league. But that what I'm talking about is two different baseball cultures. So something that might be, you know, a full paw here in the major league, such as flipping your bat on like a fly ball to left field. Yeah. You, you're going to get beaned or your teammates going to get beaned from that. That's okay in Korea. But at the same time in Korea, you got a young rookie pitcher, first year, second year player. He goes out and nails the not even a star player he just nails a vet with a pitch not on purpose either if that guy is not taking his hat off tipping his hat bowing saying sorry the benches are empty because that is disrespectful whereas here <laughs> if you hit a pitcher they're like, all right give me the give me the ball I'm, I'm ready for the next pitch so it's just those different kind of little baseball culture differences that it takes a while to get used to and those are just some of the two that I can think of off the top of my head that makes the difference. But when you get down to it, it's still a baseball game. Uh, the difference is in the KBO, you're going to have tie games after, after the 12th inning, it ends in a tie. They go home simply because, um, because the time wise, uh, public transportation shuts down around the nation around midnight. And also because they can't tire their players out in 21 inning games because the next day their, their talent pool was way less to pull from than the, uh, the majors have with, the, with their triple A teams and stuff like that. Um, what, what is one thing that is more common in Korea, uh, culturally when it comes to baseball that you wish was more prevalent here? Oh, they have, 
they have fun. And not even <laughs> I'm talking about the players. I'm talking about the fans. Mm-hmm. So the closest thing whenever I talk to people is like, what do we have here in the United States that is similar going to a KBO game? And let me preface this by if you've never been to an Asian baseball game, whether it's the KBO or the uh, Japan, they just cheer and sing and chant. So the closest thing I could think of is like a college football game for, for a very high-level D1 team. Um, just the, how it's like a party atmosphere when you go down to like down to the SEC games and stuff like that. They're just having a big party, and that's how it is when you go to the KBO games. It is whether there's two thousand fans there at night or twenty two thousand fans there, you would never know because they are loud. They got piped in music sometimes. They have chants. They're singing, and if their team's down twenty one to nothing, literally their fan, the opposed that team, the losing team would still be in the stands cheering on the team, singing. If they score their run. They're singing, they're chanting, you would have thought they've, they've advanced to the next round of the playoffs. They're just so happy. They're very supportive. Again, at the same time, they're very hard on their players. And so, you know, it's the same way. Like, I grew up in Philly, you know, they're not showing, if they're not, if they're not showing that they're trying, they are, instead of doing, they're just simply not going to show up. They're just not, you know, they got, there's so many things to do in, in South Korea and especially with some of the larger cities. There's just like, like being in New York, I don't get a good old baseball game. I'm going to the theater. I'm going to hang out with my friends. I got so many other things to do than waste my money or something is how their thinking is just because they can move on to the next thing. And that's where it's hard for the league. The KBO has to, in the last couple of years, they had some very good TV ratings, very good attendance. But this last year, they started slipping down again. And now they, they were kind of thinking, like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And now COVID-19 hit. So now they have even less fans no fans at the games and so it's going to be a big change on the field and off the field for the league so in your opinion right now who is the best hitter in the league not counting any foreign Uh, players sure well i was just gonna say i mean i can't i don't have one so i'll get i'm gonna give three sure okay a couple a couple that you might possibly see here in the united states and north america in, in the near future. And one is he plays for the NC Dinos. His last name is Na, N-A, and his first name is Sungbong. Uh, he, he came, he's coming back right now this year. He's literally playing in some of the spring games from a very horrible knee injury that was taking place last May. And it's actually amazing to me from the outside perspective, not a medical person, but then like, wow, he's coming back really fast. But, um, I think he wants to be able to show what he can do, that he's healthy because he wants to go, he, he wants to come. He doesn't talk about it a lot, but he, he is one of the prospects that you would say, all right, he's come, he's, he, he's going to get looked at by major league teams. And from what I've heard and I know in the past, they've been scouting him. Another player would be that would possibly be coming. Um, the Kiwom heroes, who I said, are the Oakland A's-ish of the KBO. <laughs> They're always up for posting players because they make money off of that. That's why they posted Kang Jung Ho, Park Byung Ho. They came to the States, you know, with the twins and the pirates because they got some money. They just told their shortstop who replaced Jung Ho at short when he came to this, when he came to the majors, um, that, Hey, you're, we're going to post you after this season. So a little bit of pressure is kind of like a contract. He's going <laughs> to show up this year. He's very good. He's a, he's very good. He's very good on defense. He can hit. Um, a, a guy that you probably won't see here in the States, but is a very good catcher is Young EG. He plays again for the NC Dinos. Just. He led the league in batting last year for Korean hitters. I think he batted like 348 or something. Mm-hmm. And then one finally, one young guy that um, if he keeps on playing the way he's done, he's only been in the league for three years. He could possibly come over. He is the son of a KBO legend, and his name, um, the son's name is uh, Lee, last name, and Jung-Hoo is his, is his first name, and he plays for the Kiwon Heroes. So, again, the heroes, like I said, they do very good at scouting. And they get these players that they just want to be able to flip. That's how they, that's how they run as a team. All right. Same question, but with pitchers. Uh, you know, give me a couple of the top pitchers in the league. Uh, the, the top one right now. So as you saw, Josh Lindblom came over. He's a foreign player, but, uh, Kim Kwang Hyun came over. He signed with the Cardinals. Those were the aces, uh, the last couple of years. Now that they're gone, a guy by the name of Yang Dun Jong, he plays for the Kia Tigers. He is looking to come over. He was actually put up for posting by his team in 2014. A major league team gave a price to the Kia Tigers. The team turned it down. And so he's been stuck with Kia or he's, he resigned again another contract. He's been with Kia, but he is, he's not getting any younger basically. So he has to come over and he, he knows this and he's, he's 
basically the, the national team ace right now for the ones that are in the KBO. So he he's the one pitcher that you got to look for. Um, this this upcoming season when it starts, uh, Chris Flexen and Drew Gagno, two former Mets, they're going to be playing over in Korea. Um, amazing Avenue favorite Nick Evans. He had a couple of very successful seasons yep. for Doosan a couple of years ago. Yes. What what foreign players have had the biggest impacts over the last couple of years in the KBO? Biggest one would be Eric Thames. The guy, you know, just mashing home runs for the Dinos. Um, got the contract with the Brewers. Uh, he was just well loved on and off the field. He was, he was the biggest celebrity. Like, um, KBO has, you know, their star players, but like, they're not going to walk out and get mobbed, um, just by random people on the street. Eric Thames, because he was, he was, you know, a foreign player, very obvious with his large biceps and muscle, <laughs> was, and because he looked, he had a fun time playing the game and fans, got drawn to that and even non-baseball fans knew who he was because of that infectious like hey he's having fun in baseball he obviously stands out when he's walking down the street so i mean he even has told some stories i saw in some interviews where he's just getting stopped left and right and it was like new to him because that's not something that happened so he in the last few years has been one of the biggest probably foreign players to have come out of the kbo and returned to the major leagues now we have josh Lindblom coming back this year from the Doosan bears uh Merrill Kelly, who never appeared in the major leagues, came came back from SK, signed with the Diamondbacks, had a solid year last year. Again, that was one of those players that was like, well, well, you know, he was really young when he went to the KBO, but look what he turned it into. He got a major league job out of it. So the KBO used to be thought of as like a retirement league. I don't know if you follow MLS, but everybody always calls the MLS like a retirement league for soccer <laughs> players. It, it's not that. I have a whole list. I don't have it up right now, but a whole list of guys that go have gone over to Korea specifically and then have come back and made an appearance, you know, in a major league game. Um, granted, they might only made a couple made a couple games or something, but you know, it's not a dead end. And now, as more and more teams are signing guys to come back, it's becoming even less and less of a retirement league, and it's actually becoming very competitive among quad A to triple A players to go over to Asia and to Korea. All right. So in your opinion, um, what team is the most Mets like, you know, the Mets have a history of developing good pitching. They've been kind of lovable losers recently. We've had some very, um, bad managing and front office stuff. So if a, if a Mets fan is interested in following KBO baseball this season, who would they, kind of naturally gravitate to you know what i'm gonna go with one of the more popular teams there so the reason i'm making this comparison is one they're in they're in seoul they're in a large city they share that city with multiple teams um and especially within baseball so i'm gonna go with the lg twins they share they literally share the stadium with the Doosan bears Doosan has had that success they've won championships in the last three out of the last four years lg twins have not had that same success they made the playoffs last year but they're supposed to have made the playoffs because they have this on paper they're awesome (laughs) on paper this year i have the lg twins as being one of the top teams in the kbo they have casey kelly they have tyler wilson as their foreign uh pitchers they have roberto ramos who was with the colorado rockies as their slugging as their slugger for foreign players then they have rookie they got rookie arms they have one of the best shortstops in the game they they're built to win they happen to play in uh uh, not as hitter friendly ballpark but that helps their pitching out which they have a lot of pitching compared to some of these some of these teams because their two their two foreign aces can go the can go deep into games save their ballpen which uh I, i forgot to mention this year because they're starting late this league still wants to get 144 games in. That's a condensed time period. A lot of managers are worried about their bullpen because they don't know how late they like uh, one man. Doosan manager even came out and said, Hey, look, if we're down, if we're down by a large amount, I'm resting my guys. The guy's just going to have to go out there and take <laughs> because he's like, we, we might possibly have to play so many games in a row without a day off. Which in the KBO, they're not used to because every Monday is a mandatory league off day. There's no games on a Monday. But if I were to put a team for your, for the, for the Mets fans there, I'd probably go with the LG twins simply because also they, ha- they have some money. Um, I mean, 
I mean, you guys are going to be bought by uh, A-Rod and J-Lo, right? So, Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> the, the LG twins have some money, but despite having that money, because everybody knows, you know, LG TVs, LG, like, it's the same company that makes that, that owns the baseball team. They just don't always put those resources, they don't use them properly, I should say, for the baseball team. Um, so <laughs> Mets I fans are very familiar with that. <laughs> They haven't won a world, they haven't won a Korean series since 1994, which doesn't sound like a lot to some people, you know, like a, a Cubs fan that supposedly has been waiting for so long. But when you're, the league's only been around since 1982, and for most of the years, there's only eight teams. Just by like mathematical <laughs> numbers, you should, you should come up as a winner at one point. But LG has not since 1994, and there's some years where everybody's like, yes, this is their year. This is the year. And they're just like, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> that also sounds very familiar. <laughs> well, all right, go Twins. <laughs> so that that would be the team. They might not look the same. With a, they got pinstripe jerseys that says Twins on the front. So a lot of Minnesota Twins fans that have come to Korea, you know, like, hey, I like the Twins. But I, you know what? They, they share the stadium. They share that. They have to share that soul because, you know, there's like, Seoul's a larger city than, New York City proper by itself, just like 25 million people, which is, so they're sharing fans, you know, they're competing for fans, but LG actually has the most fans. This is one of the most popular teams. They're just not getting it done on the field. Yep. That's, those are the Mets. All right, Dan, thank you. Um, Everybody, Dan's website, MyKBO, it is one of the best, if not, well, really it is the best resource for uh, Korean baseball in English. There's stats, there's news, there's rumors, there's everything. So if you're interested in getting into it, definitely check his website out. Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us uh, email at our email address from complexthequeens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Steve Saipa. <clears throat> Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLevin91. Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. And our two special guests, Rob is at GoCPBL. And Dan is at my KBO. So until then, until next week, love the Mets, love the Mets. <laughs>